Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood, and it's fucking Halloween, and everything's going to sound really weird and probably maybe spooky, because we're doing a Zoom recording again, and I had to use a different mixer, so everything's going to sound weird, so fuck you. That's what I say to that. I was going to do a yeehaw there, but I don't trust my voice not to crack. I thought puberty was over, man. Because Zoom, you know, because we're Zooming. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Zoom, 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 something about... I'm not going to sing the rest of the song because I don't want anybody to know that I know that movie that well. What movie? Zoom? No, it's called (laughs) Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. It's a Disney Channel original movie. And in the movie, and then I go on to explain exactly what I'm not going to do. She's obsessed with this band and this guy in the lead singer. His name is Protozoa, and he has a song called zoom zoom make my heart go boom boom whatever i don't know what the song is actually called but yeah that sounds about right for a disney movie oh that's right the band in the movie is called microbe microbe okay and protozoa were they supposed to be like an edgy rock band or yeah. were they supposed to be like a, a silly pop band yes of both of those things okay so in typical disney fashion um no focus whatsoever just broadest possible appeal all right that's fair that's fair i don't know i don't know what you want from something like that uh how about a little fucking creative vision no you know like is on example here in the dungeon master right oh speaking of we're doing a movie called the dungeon master it's supposed to be they call it an anthology but it's really not an anthology movie it's just a movie where a guy keeps on getting thrown into different situations but it's the same character doing the exact same thing in every situation that he's in and the plot moves kind of freely through all that. So it's not really an anthology movie, but it is in the sense that there's different segments that this same dude has to exist in and they're all directed by different people, which I don't think they had to be. Additionally, the segments, with the exception of the final segment, the segments can basically be shuffled around into any order you want because what goes on in the segments and what goes on outside of them, <laughs> there's no crossover. Yeah, maybe the the heavy metal part and the and the the middle oh, thing that has to be at least yeah. that line. You're right. You're right. Yes, the he- the heavy metal segment and then the final segment and and the rest can be shuffled around. What are there like five or seven of them? I can't seven. remember. Seven. Seven challenges. This movie's called The Dungeon Master, and my very first note is The Dungeon Master. The movie where the hero doesn't do a goddamn thing and still comes out on top because the villain isn't really a villain, more a bored housewife who just needs something to do. (laughs) The hero does plenty, okay? He He defeats a giant statue. He defeats the tiny people who worship worship the giant statue. He doesn't defeat them. They run away. They leave his little bracelet just on a thing and then they walk away but he does evade their attacks and he defeats the lead singer of wasp yes listener if you haven't watched the movie you heard that right (laughs) we'll get to it he doesn't actually do anything to do that he's just like hey thing button button pew pew and then it's just over yeah i mean the computer does the heavy lifting obviously but uh you know he still has to like tell it what to do does he though yeah, that's Does what the he? button button is. Well, you know, I button, I know that the computer. But it's the same. It's the same thing every time. 
It's not like I have to get clever and try and figure out how to make this work. It's just like, hey, uh, you see that thing? Laser it. Pew, pew. Yes. Yes, that is accurate. He does. The, he solves it in the exact same fashion every time. He, you know, the the exact route to get there. But you got to remember, man, it's about the journey, not the destination. Okay, like every good motivational speaker will tell you, it's the journey, not the destination, that matters. All right, Tony Robbins, go touch some more people, but like non consensually, because that's what Tony Robbins does. Because oh, creep. oh, okay. What a shocker! Yeah, uh, I never would have seen that coming. So. That's my that's my first complaint, that it's not really an anthology movie, it's just a guy getting thrown into these different uh, situations, but everybody still calls it an anthology movie. Now, let me disagree with you there. I'd say it is an anthology movie because, as I said before, the different segments are completely unrelated to anything that goes on in the main overarching storyline. The, diff- the only way they affect it is by him having gotten through them. That's it. Aside from that... They really are their own self-contained worlds, each of these segments. So, I would say it's an anthology in that sense. It's more like a Saturday morning cartoon. That's fair, yes. That is fair. It's like it's like the Ninja Turtles, the same bad guy every week, but he's just making them do a bunch of dumb shit in every episode. Yeah, okay, that's a completely fair <laughs> comparison. But, having said that, you know, it's like... It's an anthology that features the same characters in completely and wildly different scenarios. I mean, if there's one thing you can't accuse the segments of is any of them being like any of the others in terms of the aesthetic of what's going on. Except for Demons of the Dead and Cave Beast both take place in a cave that looks exactly the same. Different ideas going on, but it's, it's the same cave. Yeah, but I mean, like one has all these zombies, and the other just has this one demon and a bunch of falling rocks. Like, like they're 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 pretty different. They do take place in a cave, and yes, they probably only had one cave set available. But I mean, shit, one of them is a fucking Mad Max knockoff, and one of them is, <laughs> uh, like a New York Ripper type of inner city crime thing, and then another one of them is a Ray Harryhausen tribute. Yeah, that one I wanted that one to be cool, but we'll we'll break them down. But first, I have to I have to give you some shit. So this is for you, not not the listener. This is for the rev. This is this is directly for you. So okay. this is not a horror movie, almost at all. Everybody describes it as a fantasy movie. Okay, so every time I bring up, let's do heavy metal for Halloween. You're like, that's not a horror movie. Have you ever seen heavy metal? It's way scarier than this. So. <laughs> Oh, okay. Now that's that's fair. This uh, is fantasy. I, that is sci-fi horror. I mean, there's some horror elements in here too. And no, heavy metal isn't officially a horror movie. It's the same plot, though. Actually, kind of, which is weird. As this, sort of. It's this weird. Uh, the only the only difference is the the weird orb thing wants to murder this girl because she has some DNA of somebody who is the only person in the world that could defeat him or some shit. But it's essentially this dude holding this hero person hostage and then telling her a bunch of stories. So the the difference here is that he's holding these people hostage and making them act in these different stories because he's bored. But it's the well, same that's idea. a that that's a pretty standard you know anthology like that's an anthology trope at this point. I mean you've got obviously this and apparently heavy metal which i know i have not seen in its entirety i've seen snippets oh so you're and, talking and shit i'm the one got... i'm the one who's seen it a bunch of times and you're like that's not a horror movie and i'm like yes it is you know it's not 
I only know I know I've seen segments from it like like I haven't seen the whole movie but I've seen bits of it when it came up on TV and I was a little Christian boy who was afraid to get caught watching heavy metal you know and so I like I'd flip to it then I'd flip back to something that was safe and then I'd flip back to it and flip back <laughs> you know so like I've seen segments you don't want to see all the tits and melting but, faces exactly <laughs> but there was also uh, Tales from the Dark Side which is all about this witch who has this boy who she's going to cook and eat, and he's reading stories from some book to try and distract her from killing him. Sounds hot. And the witch is Debbie Harry from Blondie. Oh, nice. Who so, is hot. So you just have a boner the whole time you're watching it? I have a boner anytime I see Debbie Harry from Blondie, pretty much. So now I've said I've said my piece. Uh, fuck you, and we can move on now. <laughs> okay. Let's jump into it. The f- Fucking Dungeon Master. See, now we're talking Whoa, like we... watch your language. Jeez, Louise. Golly, hey, gee willikers. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that, because there's no tits in this movie, except there's supposed to be, if you watch Rage War, the pre-release cut or whatever, there's a prologue and boobs and vagina, like full frontal. I know. I was kind of pissed when I found that out and you decided we were going to watch the theatrical. I was like, God damn it. Yeah, I figured it made more sense since that's the one that people may have actually seen. Maybe it does. Somehow but I, I still doubt wanted it. the boobs. <laughs> uh, Give I me did the boobies. I did check out the prologue though. I don't know what the fuck happened because I swear to God it is not the same actress who plays Gwen throughout the rest of the movie. I don't think it was supposed to be Gwen. I haven't watched it, but my understanding is it's a dream sequence. Well, yes, I got that far. Thank you. So, <laughs> based on that, and again, I haven't watched it. Okay. I only, like, I heard what one of the guys said in an interview about it or something being a dream sequence that opens the movie. Based on that, and based on the things I think about the rest of the movie, I think it's Cal. Oh, you know what? I believe you. That makes perfect sense, and I should have put that together, but I'm not that fucking smart. Because I think he's got... That his girlfriend's suspicions are exactly right, and he's got an unhealthy thing going on with this computer operating system. What's that dude's name? Whoever directed her, like, they, they saw that part, and they're like, oh, you know what, the rest of this movie sucks, but there's really something to that computer guy relationship thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ask me, okay, now, we're getting kind of deep already on the movie here, because we haven't even, like, talked about the opening scenes or anything but if you ask me i don't think there is a mistima i think the computer did all of this is she she's like testing his love for this person yeah <laughs> yeah i think the computer is jealous because when the whole thing starts what happens the two of them are sleeping in bed she the girlfriend very clearly jealous of the computer right and it cuts to the two of them sleeping in bed and we're and we change focus so that we're looking at them through his glasses which are if if you recall they set up are his interface with the computer and this explosion of green smoke flares up in the lenses now green of course being the traditional color of envy so we're getting i think we're, the, we're getting nice and deep here yeah yeah, yeah I, I think the computer is jealous of his relationship with her the computer wants him for herself and so it's basically it's trying to test if he even really cares about her i can get behind that so we get the opening credits if you know if you're watching the the dungeon master like technically the movie is called rage war i guess 
we're we're talking about the dungeon master we're not talking about rage war we mentioned rage war because it had boobies and that's worth mentioning but we're talking about the dungeon master i gotta mention this movie is only an hour and 13 minutes that includes opening and closing credits god i thought it fell short but jesus that is ridiculous wow it's funny that you say that because i had a lot of fun watching it the first time because it was just weird and dumb and then the second time i'm like good fucking lord i've only been watching this for 30 minutes oh my god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah like an immediate rewatch honestly does not sound like a lot of fun with this none of the stuff that i found funny the first time i watched it was funny the second time when i sat down and watched it because i didn't do a second watch i sat down and watched it last night and it's a hoot it's ridiculous it's stupid it's all over the place <laughs> it's it's a very fun movie to watch then i thought about rewatching it this morning and just couldn't bring myself to do it it just didn't seem like it was going to be fun the second time through i do want to re-watch it and watch the rage war version like the pre-release one maybe yes that, i want to watch that as that's well. the one with all the violence and all the nudity yeah yeah <laughs> i, w- I want to see that version too but no i did not want to rewatch the dungeon master no thank you i'm good the room or troll 2 this isn't there is a troll in here well sort of yeah not troll, not the troll two troll, but the troll one troll. So that's cool. Although he does have teeth, kind of like some of the trolls in Troll Two. Wow, that's mean. <laughs> you know the troll at the end that's like, "Come on over," whatever the kid's name is. She's delicious while they're eating her. His mom, you know. No, because I've never actually seen it. I just I what know, I know the yeah, I know. I wrote down the opening credits. Don't even know what order the segments are in. <laughs> and the opening credits, I believe that they're giving you the order of the rage war titles i was gonna say neither does the neither do the closing credits so it doesn't really matter yeah the i know for sure the closing credits are the rage war order based on the notes that are are on the blu-ray but i i didn't i didn't know if that carried over to the opening titles as well yeah there's no rhyme or reason for any of this fucking nonsense like at all with the exception of the of the heavy metal one and the closing one, you can shuffle them around in any order you want. So we open with our main character. His name is Paul. He's talking to his computer that lives in his magic science classes. Paul can fuck right off. Paul is a computer nerd in the 80s, and he is hot, and he is in shape, and he has a girlfriend who's basically a model. Like, this was this was the nerds of the, the Empire Pictures team doing a little wish fulfillment, as far as I'm concerned, because bull fucking shit. Have you seen nerds in the 80s? Bill Gates was nerds in the 80s. Man. Why Why would they want, like, a hot, super sexy nerd, though? Why, why wouldn't they cast, like, a like an actual dorky looking guy who has the hot chick because charles band is a pragmatist and he wanted to draw in audiences with a hot male lead yeah he, he doesn't draw in audiences he draws in audiences 30 years later when they want to talk about his shit and make fun of it <laughs> no in the 80s charles band actually the empire pictures movies they played in theaters they did not just go straight to video well, there I, wasn't I, a straight to video i have thing. no doubts that they entered a theater at some point but i don't think anybody people didn't enter the theaters very often <laughs> for these things that's not true okay charles band was making money he did not only this he also did dolls which was a big hit he, all his Stuart gordon movies uh I'm, I'm pretty sure made a lot of money dolls from beyond reanimator even robot jocks if i remember correctly that that did a that did pretty decent business well but that was and that was also Stuart Gordon. Evil Bong outsold them all. 
are you serious or i i, I, I don't I, know <laughs> i am absolutely oh i might be joking i don't know i didn't do any research on that you know it's giving me chills the fact that to go back and talk about the dungeon master the fact that our episode on the dungeon master is going to be longer than all the cuts of the movie so <laughs> yeah that's so, fair so you're mad that he's hot yes I am mad that he's hot. He's so fucking hot. It's it's pissing me off. He goes to this office building where he may or may not work. I'm not entirely sure what he does, but he like fixes some computer shit. And then as they're walking out, he's in these bike shorts and shit. And this dude's like, you want me to drive you home? And he's like, no, man, I got to run. I got to run home because if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not super sexy, I don't know what I'll do with myself. doesn't say that, but that's just kind of what I'm, that's the vibe I'm getting. Bullshit on this whole opening sequence. It is the eighties. So let's get physical and all that shit. I do like when he does start running home, the weird eighties futuristic wannabe techno stuff like that. That's the first thing that made me smile about the movie when I watched it the first time yesterday. <laughs> I like that they cut like away from him to his to this completely unrelated woman just jazzercising. Oh yeah. And, and I mean obviously she's not unrelated. It's his girlfriend, but we don't know that. Just poof cuz again, it's the 80s. It's aerobics, but it's I I call it aerobics. It's dance. They're dancing, but they're dressed like aerobics people in my I'm telling you, I, I'm pretty sure it's jazzercise. My aunt was crazy about that shit. Still is. She's a jazzercise instructor still. Oh my. my only thought of this scene was they're obviously not dancing to the song playing, but I'm not entirely sure they're all dancing to the same song in general. <laughs> Like all of them. They're probably not dancing to a song at all. They're probably, they played like three opening seconds to get them in the right rhythm. And then they just all went their own way. It was one of the worst dance scenes I've ever seen. And I'm just like, can I just watch, <laughs> can I just watch Ninja three? If I'm going to watch weird chicks doing, doing this exercise shit, I might as well watch Lucinda Dickey do it. You know, it's a better movie. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> so, I'm not going to try and defend this movie as good. It's not, but it is entertaining. And then on his way home, Paul wants to buy some flowers, but his wallet's empty. And this girl who I'm like, dude, she's way cuter than the fucking than the girl we got like sorry sorry gwen he goes to the atm machine which is like magic technology at this point like looks around make sure nobody's like looking at him then he pokes his glasses a couple times and then a 20 dollars bill pops out like, it's very appropriate that they they put him up against a sorcerer because in the early 80s computers basically were seen as magic you know like you said the atm he just stares at the thing with his magic computer glasses and suddenly cash comes out because nobody fucking understood how that shit worked yeah. like all the stuff in this movie all the computer shit in this movie is patently ridiculous if you know literally anything about computers but in the 80s <laughs> nobody did so it was all magic all right and it was still it wasn't new new but it was fairly new apparently it had only been invented atms had only been invented in the 60s in 1960 yeah so they were 24 years old at this point but like nationwide probably way more recent than that yeah. i don't know how long it took for him to go nationwide but i know it used to be a, a a much less common thing than it is now it used to be more convenient to just go into the bank but yeah anyways he pulls out a 20 he gets the flowers he goes home he gets home and he says hi to his computer like like it's her that movie her only more depressing <laughs> in that at yeah. least he was played for played for romance and not like this dude just like types weird shit and jerks off when his girlfriend's not home huh i do think it's interesting that the uh the computer voice in this movie is eerily similar to the auto narration voices we hear on things like tiktok and instagram nowadays like they did a really good job um this dude also he's also so healthy that when he gets done with his run he drinks a diet coke wonder how much coke paid to have their product prominently featured it, it's not even prominently featured he covers it up but you can tell it's a diet coke oh he does cover it up <laughs> yeah because yeah. i could tell it was a diet coke i i 
thought he actually, like, I didn't think you covered it up at all. The logo itself doesn't pop up at all. Then Gwen gets home with some groceries. She's like, she's like, help me, motherfucker. And he's like, I just wanted swordfish. I'm like, who the fuck goes out and buys swordfish? I'm sure some people do, but like... yeah that's random that's very much out of my wheelhouse um both in terms of cooking and in terms of (laughs) price it only costs 26 dollars i suppose there are probably some people who just want to have swordfish on a random tuesday the the two giant bags of groceries only cost 26 dollars she says something like that can you imagine how much those two bags of groceries must cost nowadays that's 26 thousand dollars today which includes (laughs) including swordfish mind you which is probably like you know, $50 a pound. So he gives those flowers to her and, and he's like, let's get married. And she's like, uh, no, cause you want to fuck your computer. You freak. And yeah, no, his, she doesn't his quite follow up that, to but. it is the biggest red flag in the world. No, I, I crunched the numbers with cam and she said, it's a great idea with Cal. It's Cal. Oh, Cal, cam, excuse fucking. me, Cal. <laughs> and they're, they're, they just continue, they continue arguing about it. And he's like, and she's like, you know, something about you just want to link up. And then he's like, yeah, but we, she, she and I can't link up the way you and I can. And the, my first thought was with our genitals. That was the moment at which you realize he's working on a link up port for that computer. So he's going to be able to connect with his genitals. Yes. He cooks, which is nice, but for dessert, he gives her a ring and she's just like, oh, I don't know, man, uh, something because she doesn't want to be some sister wife with the computer. <laughs> sister wife. <laughs> and, and apparently, apparently she's still going to fuck him after this weird night they've had because she's like, let's go to bed. At least I get all your attention in there. Yeah, this relationship okay. seems super healthy. And then we already talked about this scene a little bit, but the green flame stuff in the glasses when they're sleeping and then we're poofed into a weird dream sequence and he's dressed like he's in the running man and then he's walking that's <laughs> it yes it's the running man i kept thinking zardoz but i knew that was wrong i thought that i thought the running man zardoz light because he's still wearing pants i had that same thought i thought if he wasn't wearing the leotard underneath then it'd be zardoz and then i wrote down robin hood and little john walking through the forest and i don't really know why because i think i was bored <laughs> Because he's just walking through the woods. Yeah, this is the sequence where he where he's in the woods and uh, he comes upon her doing a, a sweet like see through bathing suit bath. Yeah, under in the waterfall. Yeah, Paul sees Gwen. under a waterfall. Yep. Yes, she's being all sexy and shit. It's I, very sexy. I don't know what's going on really, but the but his face is melting and he's stuck behind a glass wall like a mime, and then he wakes up and, and then it, poof, just this, gets zapped to a weird place where Gwen's chained to a fucking wall. Oh, that's right. That's right. He wakes up in bed and then gets zapped into the, uh, what what's his name? Mistima. I, and I wrote down, and there comes the gym teacher Mistima. from Sidekicks, Mistima. <laughs> that's right. Gym teacher from Sidekicks. Kicks. Legendary character actor Richard Mall. Okay, legendary is probably well. This he's one far. of those dudes that you've definitely seen in stuff. Like, doesn't matter what it is, he's been part of my part of my life since I was what five years old watching fucking Sidekicks. And he was in a show called 100 Good Deeds for Eddie McDowd, where Seth Green's character gets turned into a dog, and he has to do 100 good deeds to get not turned into a dog anymore. And Richard Mall is the guy who he has to consult about the good deeds. Well. Uh, for our listeners, if you've been following us for more than a few months, he was the sorcerer in The Sword and the Sorcerer. What was his name in that? It was... Uh, Fucking Ballsack McGurk. Zusha of Zusha, Delos. The God. Demon Zusha. That movie was dumb and I liked it. Okay, you want my conspiracy theory? 
yes. for this movie. Give it to or me. Or my fan theory, I guess. I mean, aside from the fact that obviously we've already discussed that the computer is doing this whole thing. That's my first theory. But my end theory, when we get to the end, what happens to Mistima? Commit suicide. They're, no, he doesn't commit suicide. They're fighting, and Paul pushes him over this cliff into what looks like a, a, like a lava mud basin but you can only assume that he pushes him because it cuts away and then it cuts back and he's already falling unless i missed a frame because he's like underneath him and i'm like how the fuck did that happen did he just like squish him down too far and he popped out from under him like he's lubed up or whatever i mean i'm, I'm not gonna lie the the <laughs> physics are a little questionable on it but that's how this that's how they end up resolving that situation right here's what i think this is in fact a prequel to the sword and the sorcerer mistima falls down into the muck and in the muck he ages and transforms until millions of years later in a far distant future in which human life on earth has evolved past humanity and something else has evolved up into a version of humanity and now it's like their version of the medieval sword and sorcery age so this is far in the future and he is resurrected as zusha the demon out of what an altar that turns into lava muck when he's resurrected and he crawls out of it. I'm down. So that's my fan theory. Makes this movie a little more interesting. That's why the sword and the sorcerer <laughs> doesn't match any of human history. It's not human history. It's a future history of a, a species that has not yet evolved into humanoid form. Mestima thinks the cow glasses are too dorky, so he gives Paul a little cow bracelet thing. Double bracelets. But then he, like, knights Paul. He, like, does the sword thing. I dub the Excalibrate. And then Paul's like, Excalibur. Oh, you, that's my fucking computer, man. Because <laughs> it's, like, some number oh, yeah. designation. You know what? I missed that while I was watching it this time because I was eating chips and dip and I kept glancing down to try and get... I, I had made, like, a five-layer dip, and I kept glancing down to try and get all the layers on the chip, and I must have missed the Excalibrate tag on the computer. That's so code I no for... no fucking idea what he was talking about. That's code for fat guys miss stuff in movies. Because we're being <laughs> fat guys. Mistima might also be Satan, by the way. He's like, Beelzebub, and all those other words that Cal says. Yeah, she's like, Paul, Mistima equals Beelzebub. Lucifer, Satan. So that's cool. Hail Satan. And um, Mestima has been just kind of fucking with people for a thousand years because he's bored. He just wants a challenge. That's As the, you do. That's what he says. He's just like, I've fucking just done this and I, I want a worthy challenger. That's fair. I mean, if I were that old, I'd be getting really bored too. Apparently he gets one, but it's just a guy who goes, hey, button, button, pew, pew. Okay, I'm done now. With his magic computer. And it is just magic. There's no, there's no logic that goes into anything he does. There's a point at which he's handcuffed and in the back of a cop car and he reaches over and thumbs one of the buttons on his you know wrist computer bracers and dual lasers shoot the locks on his handcuffs <laughs> and then the handcuffs pop open one thumb push there's no way he was able to actually relay anything meaningful into the computer that way. And yet, double lasers shoot out. And that is one of, as the part that made me laugh the hardest yesterday when he's, like, doing that thing with, and he's in the back of the cop car and he's doing the handcuff thing and they go over a bump and he's like, ow, because the lasers burn his hands. I'm like, this is our hero, everybody. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> By the way, Jeffrey Byron, who plays Paul, wrote that segment. So he made yes. himself look stupid? Well, good on him, I guess. That's cool. The segment titled Slasher. Slasher. Which I thought was going to be cool, but it's just a guy who looks a little bit like Kurt Cameron from the back 
killing people. Uh, yeah, remarkably like Kirk Cameron in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Not from the front, though. I don't want to... No dogging on Kirk Cameron. He's a handsome fella, and this guy is not. We could do a whole podcast making fun of Kirk Cameron, though. Oh, sure. But, I mean, you know, like, you, what you can't say about Kirk Cameron is that he wasn't handsome in the 80s. Because he was. He's just ugly on the inside. I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Based on a lot of stances he's taken, it's certainly a possibility. But you got to give it to him. He was a good-looking young fella. Hey, Kirk, come at me, bro. I want some I want some fucking attention. Is that the kind of attention you really want, Andrew? Yes. The Kirk Cameron fan club attention? Yeah. You know why? Because it would get it would at least get us on the news if he's fucking harassing us that much. Small independent podcaster gets harassed by fucking rich asshole Christian weirdos. You know the news would never put it that way. And Ray Comfort shows up and just like, hey, in my Australian accent, you you should just be Jesus-y with me. Yeah, you know what you know what would happen? <laughs> They would definitely pull some line you said completely out of context and, 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 you know, something that was definitely a joke. And they would take that and be like, podcaster famous for quotes like this says Hollywood's childhood celebrity Kirk Cameron is harassing him. I would love it so much. Let's talk Are about going to actually start talking about the Dungeon Master now. Yeah. We're going to talk about the first challenge. Paul wakes up in the forest again. Some little dudes steal Cal from him and he chases them That's well steals one of the cal like arm bracer things because he's remember he's got two i think the other one is just for show because when he's talking about fighting fighting mistima man to man he only takes that one off i think the other one is just there for balance oh shit you're right <laughs> he does take the other one off doesn't he uh, or rather, he only, yeah. he does only take that one off. This one happens. I real. was completely wrong about everything. I take <laughs> yep. it all back. He chases them through the woods. He finds this giant statue, and these little dudes are still running. They just kind of leave Cal there, though. They just leave it. It's like an offering or some shit. Uh, he grabs it. He puts it on, and then Cal goes. Yeah, they leave it on an altar. Yeah, that in okay. front of the statue. Cal says, sensing presence of occult power, and then the statue comes to life. Stop motion. Here, Shit's gonna go down. It looks pretty cool. Here's a question I have. Uh, what units do they measure occult power in so that the computer can sense it? Cheeseburgers. A couple of laser blasts. Paul runs. The thing starts plodding toward him in its stop motion thing. And then Cal goes, Tamang, origin, Indonesia. Okay. Which helps Paul in no way. Should be clear about that. No, it means nothing. Paul then fires a couple lasers at it again. A little guy, one of the little dudes, tries to drop some rocks on him. He fires a laser at the jewel in this thing's head, and it's over. Poof, back to it. Where's Gwen? Isn't love grand? Next challenge. I want to note here, again, for the listener, you may have skipped this movie. In this case, I think that's pretty safe. But you probably think that everything we just said is just <laughs> rushing over that story. No, no, we literally described every single detail of that story. Yeah, no, and they're all like that. That that was the most explanation you could possibly do without breaking down like individual colors and shapes of rocks <laughs> and plants and stuff. He takes three steps and then he fires the laser and then he takes another step and then the guy drops a rock on him. It's extraordinarily short. Remember, they fit seven stories in an hour 13 plus a wraparound narrative yeah but yeah the the, the interstitial here is just like where's gwen i love her then the mistima guy says isn't love grand and then he gets pushed into the next challenge which is paul's in a cave yay this is the demon one uh yes i can actually name these i can name okay them. yeah tell us the title of this one because i forget this one so the first one that we just did was called stone canyon giant and it was directed by david allen this one is called demons quote, unquote directed yeah. no that's not fair this the stop motion was pretty <laughs> yeah fun. that was some good stuff this one's called demons 
of the Dead. John Carl Buchler is the director on this one. And the demon of the dead in this one is the second most low effort demon I've seen in a Charles Band production. And my favorite part of the movie, by the way, <laughs> it looks awesome. The I love first it. the first being the the imp in uh sorority bags babes in the slime bag bolorama. Which I've never if seen, but I want to. Interested. I actually had to Google it because I wasn't sure they didn't use the exact same <laughs> puppet from movie to movie, but apparently they did not. <laughs> So he's in this cave, right? There are some creepy zombie orc-looking dudes with no noses. He cuts one's head off, but it's still they're still alive, whatever. Then we meet Ratspit. He's caretaker of the dead. This part looks like it's going to be cool, but it just blue balls you. You get some cool, like, makeup effects, and then some zombies attack him, and he fires one laser, and they all just poof out of existence. We're not done, Oh, though. the choreography The it, choreography in this sequence is, is some of the worst yeah. in the entire movie, and that's saying something. Like, y- you've got three zombies surrounding a guy. There is so much opportunity to turn this into an interesting action sequence, and they just have the zombies stand there and just kind of wave their hands in the <laughs> air un- until he dispatches them. Yeah. Like, that's it. By pushing a button on Cal. And he only shoots one yep. of them, and then the- all three of them disappear. Yeah, this... This sequence in particular is <laughs> disappointing, disappointing, because yeah. I'm like, this had the potential. The slasher one also had potential, but we'll we'll get to that. I enjoyed the slasher one more because at least some shit happens in that. Um, yeah, that is this true. like literally looks like it took place in their one cave set in one section and they don't go anywhere and nothing happens <laughs> so it ends when rat spit calls out paul's future self when he loses to mistima so it's just paul but all zombie looking honestly couldn't tell it was paul it doesn't look anything like him no not really he just like stares at it and it disappears and then rat spit's like what the fuck and then paul's like it's just one culmination of future possibilities something about reality I reject your reality and I substitute my own. That's probably the best line of the entire movie. Yep. And that challenge is over. Who gives a shit? My understanding, I, I, I'm i not a, a regular watcher or anything, but my understanding is one of the guys from like Mythbusters or something famously co-opted that line. Yeah, the, you know what? I reject your reality and substitute my own. I used to watch Mythbusters a lot. I probably heard it before. I could be wrong. It might it might have been some other show, but I, I, I thought I read in the trivia for this that it was... Uh, a Mythbusters guy. So back to what we what can loosely be described as a plot. Mistima gets a little handsy on Gwen in this little scene, and then there's a cartoon dragon fight. The cheesiest cartoon <laughs> dragon fight you've ever seen. Um, and the best part is is in the credits, it's like a Disney some Disney sub group or something like that did the animation for it it looks very disney like it looks like disney if disney didn't have any money it's the brokest disney you've ever seen i will make a mention of mortal Kombat annihilation later but okay i've believe i've said this before i never did watch annihilation i've only seen that first mortal Kombat. oh you're missing out man i know i know <laughs> We'll get to it though. We'll get to it here in a little bit. This is the music part. I, I don't. I don't even remember what happens with the dragon thing. Like they just poof out of existence, just like everything else in the movie. Yeah, basically, it's totally anticlimactic, like everything like else in this all movie. of it. Uh, then Mistima's like, "Do you fancy music?" Uh, and Paul's like, "Yeah, you want to rock out?" And no, that didn't happen. But he does say, "Do you fancy music?" And then he starts playing this like really crappy, weird, droney, shitty music. <laughs> and then Paul counters with his own crappy, yeah. weird, uninspired so, '80s music. Mistima <laughs> apparently dislikes likes modern pop music and apparently hates metal also because he's like you get to suffer through it for eternity or whatever so he sends him to a wasp
Wasp concert. Yes, Wasp, you know, Wild Child, those guys. Uh, the guy from Decline of Western Civilization who's all fucking Decline wasted. Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. Two, and he's all fucked up and wasted in his pool. He's in this movie. Yep. He, uh, is he, he, he the drummer? Guitar. He's a guitar player. Oh, he's a guitar player? Still alive? Cause, cause he's doing a, all right, he's which is awesome. he's a blonde guy, and all the guitar players were like, they must have been wearing wigs. No, the guitar player yeah. was blonde. I, it took me a second to see him, but he was there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't see him. I only, I mean, obviously, the other guy, the guy with the black hair, is featured more prominently. I just, I was looking, I was trying to find the guy, and I only saw, I saw that the drummer had blonde hair, so I thought maybe that was him. But I, I was wrong. Question. Does WASP actually stand for we are sexual perverts? Because I heard that when I was a kid, but I don't know if that was true. <laughs> or if that was just like Jerry Falwell, like trying to, you know, I mean, there were plenty of reasons for people to not want their kids to listen to WASP. But uh... well, one of the reasons couldn't possibly be this song about sexually molesting and torturing a woman, could it? No, I don't see how this could possibly be objectionable. One possible interpretation is white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. That's uh, I'm. We're talking about the band. Come on, that's clearly not what they were going for. The original U.S. release of the band's debut album, Wasp, had the words "We are sexual perverts" inscribed on both sides around the label in the center, while "Winged Assassins" is inscribed on the spine. In one interview, Blackie Lawless, who is the singer, answered, "We ain't sure, pal." Just kind of funny <laughs> so it probably doesn't stand for anything they're just like wasp that's funny uh let's just put periods in it to fucking make people think about shit all right i'm down with that granted yeah. it probably was we are sexual perverts because they're like what they're like in between like 15 and 20 when they're starting these bands and shit like they're kids yeah so of course they're gonna be like the most obnoxious humans on the fucking planet oh yeah i mean and they're kids they're kids in a band so they've got they've clearly got the mentality of junior high schoolers so why does why does mistima hate metal so much if metal is tailor-made for him being satan and all that i didn't get the impression that he hated metal i mean he literally transforms blackie into him into him he does Blackie he... literally transforms into him that's like, weird in yeah. the middle of the thing well just the way he said it, he's like you like music you like music this music sucks so you have to suffer through it for all eternity and then he sends them to a wasp concert yeah i think it's just that maybe the dialogue in this isn't the best <laughs> I know I know that's a controversial standpoint. So Paul gets transported to this wasp show. Gwen is chained up and locked in a box. Which apparently they shot the entire thing at the famous Whiskey-A-Go-Go. They could only shoot after the place shut down for the night so oh they couldn't start until like one in the morning and then they had to stop at like 6 a.m or something well it's not like this took more than like an hour to shoot the whole thing i mean there's a lot of shot reverse shots you know like there's a lot of different takes and i don't i don't mean angles, this so I, I don't mean this segment i mean the whole movie i think it took a few nights of them <laughs> shooting to get the whole thing done oh this one's called heavy metal by the way this segment and it is the only one directed by charles band it should be noted that the there's a poster for the movie that comes on the reverse side of the blu-ray case that is not the poster i grew up with what i grew up with was the vhs cover which is one of the most awesome looking things i've ever seen which has mistima on the cover shooting lightning at paul who is crouched down behind this sphere that his girlfriend is trapped in so gwen is trapped inside this sphere of like radiating light paul is crouched down behind her and in addition to his his running man suit, he's also got this like headpiece on that does not make an appearance in the movie. And then in the background, lording over the whole thing like like a Frank Frazetta painting, fucking Blackie Lawless from Wasp with like fake blood dripping down his chin. So I thought he was going to feature more prominently in this movie. 
It's one of the most metal movie posters I've ever seen. It's fantastic. It's also because it was 1984 and Wasp was huge at the time. They were probably trying to sell it on some name recognition. Because he's the only name I know. Richard Mall, I guess, but that's only because of a movie that came out seven years after this. What, House? Sidekicks. Oh, no, fucking Sidekicks, of course. I should have known Sidekicks. He was also in House. Yes, I saw uh, that. Not the Japanese one. I haven't seen those movies yet, and I really want to. I've seen the first three. I grew up with the first two. Three never made its way to the States, or it was released under a completely different title, something like that. And then I haven't watched four yet, which my understanding is four is a direct sequel to one. Like, it has the main guy comes back and everything, so that's kind of awesome. But I haven't watched it yet. I've only watched the first three since getting the, uh, the Arrow video box set. You know who we should talk about? Blackie Lawless for like a minute. Okay. Um, <laughs> are we going to talk about his undoubtedly many sexual assault allegations? No, we're just going to talk about his few seconds in this movie because he has a machete and he's like rubbing it all over the place, like swinging it all over and rubbing it all over Gwen's body and this thing. And then just before he like makes a, he makes a motion to like a throat cutting motion with the machete on himself and he's about ready to he's about ready to kill her but then Paul pushes some buttons and then there's some screeching music that comes out of his it's like a toe oh, yeah. that comes out of his thing and then he makes all then you know the band members all like disintegrate and then Blackie Lawless <laughs> turns into Mistima it's so ridiculous like it, and it is it's exactly the same resolution only without a laser beam yeah yeah it's literally it's the same thing that's how he solves all his problems suddenly though when we get back so that, that, that sequence is over. When we get back to our little arena area that he refers to it as later, suddenly Mistima has a shield around him because earlier Paul shot like a laser near his face and he's like, ah, but he, he has a shield around him now and nobody knows why. It doesn't really matter. It's just kind <laughs> of a lame way to make sure that Paul can't just laser him to death too. Yep. And then we're that's gonna, pretty much it. We're just going to, we're, we're just going to move right along. We're going to go ahead and get our asses into the ice caves. Uh, it's this segment is called ice gallery. Rosemary Turco is the director. This. Yeah. This is um, another one that should have been a little bit scarier than it actually was. Yeah. I'm blaming the director for this one because you could have made this one scary. I mean, it's, it's a little weird, like why do they have why are all these characters basically is like a wax museum type scenario that's what i put it's like all in ice it's like an ice wax museum you have einstein you have wolfman you have jack the ripper bloody mary louis the 16th some tribal guy like a witch doctor and they're like oh all these criminals i'm like come on now (laughs) the wolfman is the one that jumps the shark because like you could make an argument that like maybe this is hell or something like that you know and so like all these bad guys are trapped in ice in hell or something like that but no wolfman's there he's not real so uh, the mummy shows up too yeah that's right the, the mummy oh my god the mummy shows up okay yeah then this if this were directed better and in a better movie it could be kind of creepy because like gwen gets in here we see all these figures frozen gwen starts to freeze uh he tries to get like paul tries to get to her but he falls into the sinkhole or whatever it is then mistima pops up or his voice he's like do you want me to warm you up it's all creepy and weird mind you the sinkhole never explained how paul gets out of that no he just kind of crawls around and then poofs back into existence uh when everything starts to come to life to try and murder her when she's like being almost stabbed by jack the ripper there was room here for something good and they just failed to fill it so i am blaming the filmmakers directly for this one so what does paul do he uh Pushes a few buttons and then he grabs a giant rock and that. That's... No, he. Uh, no, he. Uh, well, that's how he. That's but, how he saves Gwen initially. Gwen, yes, but then where the fuck is this ice crystal 
explanation. Like, he's like, we need the ice crystal. I'm like, who said anything about an ice crystal? Did I miss it? The computer said, Cal said it through his arm thing. Okay. Einstein has the ice crystal. Why? Why is Einstein even there? This is supposed to be, like, a place for, there's so many criminals down here. Was Einstein a criminal? Maybe. I don't know. Well, Einstein was directly responsible for the development of the nuclear bomb. Oh, so Charles Band is just, like, getting cute here. Or, I guess the... Lady I, that's what it. the tri- that's what the trivia section of IMDb says. It says uh, the reason Einstein is in the Hall of Killers is because he prompted President Franklin D. Roosevelt to develop nuclear bombs to counter similar efforts in Nazi Germany. His letter led to the Manhattan Project, which resulted in two bombs being dropped on Japan, killing over a hundred thousand people. All right, oh, that's fair. Fuck Einstein. Let's get back into the arena again because that little challenge is over again. We're not skipping anything in these challenges. Yeah, it sounds like we are, and we're not. Again, detailed explanations of every shot are the only way we could make this more in-depth. Mestima, though, offers Paul his freedom in exchange for Gwen, and he offers he offers him, like, a bunch of treasure and then three chicks, and he almost gets him with that last one. Paul is, is definitely distracted by the three women. And then Gwen's and, like, Paul, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, yeah, shit, sorry. Like, dude, your girlfriend's <laughs> right there watching. <laughs> Come on. Funny. And then Mestima, like... pretend like you're not thrilled. Mestima screams, like, I love it. He's like, like wow! <laughs> he just gets annoyed. <laughs> And then, then Paul gets transported into, like, a, a seedy alley in New York, and there's, like, this blood trail it's leading to a dead body, but we don't know that because he finds a newspaper first, but it has Gwen's picture on it. It's the 12th victim of the whatever slasher thing. This is probably the strongest of the segments, in my opinion, because it actually, there is, like, a, a an actual story that plays out. It's not super well done, but it is a story versus just, like, a proof of concept short. Yeah, it's not just like shit happens and people hide behind rocks and fucking... Yeah, that was a Kevin Smith reference for anybody who paid attention that deep there. What was he talking about? Who? What's it from? I'm, I'm it's from drawing a blank. An Evening with Kevin Smith. He was talking about writing the Million Dollar Man script or the Six Million Dollar Man script. And the, one of the studio execs, because Kevin Smith was talking about how he just didn't really feel like doing it, but he just did it anyways. And then he brought it in and he's like, well, it says here that you have in this scene you have Steve Austin hiding behind a rock and then eventually the story goes on and he's like oh this is due tomorrow like uh, no shit happens and people hide behind rocks yeah I guess I gotta watch those evening with Kevin Smith because he does tell funny stories okay getting back to the fucking movie anyways we don't want it to go double the length of the movie um so yeah the body under this cardboard is not Gwen and he's like oh thank god this dumb it's just some dead shit <laughs> and then you know Misty is like oh good you fucking you're so happy that it's not your dead girlfriend but you have an hour to save her because that's tom- that's tomorrow's newspaper and she's going to die in an hour so just you know get going yeah mistima really like plotted this story out he, he gave him a ticking clock and everything like, and down le- to the second leave it up to the police to completely fucking ruin the whole thing oh and they're just hassling him because he's dressed weird that's yeah. literally the whole reason they're bothering him until until they have reason to when the dude's just like hey, what's under this fucking cardboard box i don't know oh god we got a body fucking cuff him hurry up he's already cuffed at that point yeah. it should be noted yeah he is he hasn't done anything but be lo- be weird looking and he's cuffed <laughs> and then we cut to i said we cut to kurt cameron just doing what he does because that's what Kirk Cameron does. I imagine he's got just like pasting stories about women being murdered on his wall. Women that he murdered specifically. Allegedly. There's no allegedly. Nobody's ever said that about him. No before. one is <laughs> alleging that about Kirk Cameron. 
but I love it. I wouldn't be surprised. I love the honestly. idea. If it suddenly came out, everybody'd be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> and also, it's not actually Kurt Cameron. The dude just kind of has the same hair because that was the hairstyle in the eighties. Technically, I guess we should say Mike Seaver hair. Yes, Mike Seaver hair. Yes. So let's cut to the cop car real quick. These two cops are like, why are you dressed like that? Were you trying to be Gumby? I'm like, Gumby's green, you fucking asshole. That line of dialogue makes no goddamn sense. The only thing I can think is that they had a completely different idea for what the costume was going to be during the writing phase. And they just didn't update the dialogue once they got the actual costume. Or they wanted to tell the joke that comes up. And he's like, where's Pokey? And then he's like, speaking of Pokey, this chick's sister's coming into town. Get it, Pokey. It's not great dialogue. With his penis. Oh, oh I got it. <laughs> I got it. No, see, you poke chicks with your penis because it's a needle dick because I'm a cop. That is not allegedly. That is just true. Just the facts, ma'am. He sees Gwen as they're driving down the street. He, he's in the back of the cop car. He sees Gwen just kind of hanging out outside of a, a place. And he's like, Gwen, Gwen. And nobody tells him to shut the fuck up. And she doesn't even hear him or anything. He, now, also, Paul is, we, we talked about this earlier, but uh, Paul is trying to use the handcuffs or to the, the t- trying to use Cal to unlock the handcuffs. And he does the laser thing when he pushes the button. And then they go over a bump. And he's like, ow. And it made me laugh so hard the first <laughs> night. And I don't know why. Maybe because I wasn't really having that good of a time in the first place and that was just funny any shred of entertainment value you could milk out of this movie you were going all the way with it well yeah at first it was kind of like <laughs> oh that was kind of that was, that was good and then i like started thinking about it more and then i just start kind of giggling for a couple minutes and rachel's like why is that so fucking funny i'm like i don't i don't you know. were really fucking bored in fairness this is a boring movie watching this sincerely is excruciating <laughs> you have to watch this with a sense of humor you have to watch you have to kind of mystery science theater this that's the way to watch this you have to watch it with other people so you can make fun of it together it's the only way you'll stay awake it is the best way to watch this yes the slasher likes to use scalpels so that's unique i guess i don't really uh, know why he's using scalpels because he's not a fucking doctor or anything no he just he just wants something that's nice and sharp but he's stabbing with the scalpels and that doesn't make any sense the, the scalpel <laughs> is not a good stabbing instrument it's a good slicing instrument yeah. oh by the way this is called slasher it's directed by stephen ford sorry i forgot that part what else is stephen ford directed i don't fucking know we haven't we haven't done anything for the rest of the fucking people so fuck them god Damn it, you're just dropping the ball left and right on this one, man. <laughs> fuck them all. WT fuck. But I want to talk about the cop in the jelly donut. He seems very offended. Oh my God. <laughs> that this guy's like, would you, would you fucking give me a jelly donut for, eh? Hey, I don't like fucking jelly donuts. I just wanted a plain donut. Why didn't you tell me it was a jelly donut, you fucking asshole? Uh, there were a few, fewer fucks than that. But yeah, basically. Yeah. Like this cop is pissed about this jelly donut. Yeah, it ruined his whole fucking night. Until his prisoner escaped out of the back seat. No, you know what? That was just the icing on the shit cake. You mean on the jelly donut? On the on the shit jelly them, remember. The shit filled donut? Them. Yes. He hates them. He just wants a plain donut. I agree, but you don't have to get all offended, you know? Shit happens. I love a jelly donut, so I can't relate to this at all. Paul the only does. thing I can relate to is that upsetting blurb of jelly just globbering down his face because it seems to me that that happens to me every time I eat a jelly donut, too, and it's the only thing that pisses me off about a jelly donut because <laughs> they're so delicious, but they're so fucking messy. He goes to wipe it off, too, and he barely gets any of it. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, there, weirdo? There's still, like, this huge glob. I'm like, how can you not feel that? Paul manages to get free, and just he just dives out of the fucking car. Oh, he also uses cal to unlock the door like he couldn't just like real quick 
flick flick the unlock and then open the car and just fucking fall out i don't know man uh, well I, I he probably didn't want to move his hands from behind himself until it was time for the actual escape that's true because... but the guy was so obsessed with the fucking jelly donut he wouldn't have noticed anyways yeah i mean that's fair but you know paul's just an overly cautious guy i can relate to that i'm a very overly cautious guy and this is about the time in the movie where i legitimately stopped paying attention for a minute <laughs> Paul is gonna go he's gonna go save Gwen because he deducts from something that's literally right in front of his face audition dancing oh god it had the address right there I swear it did didn't it like he's got to go to some like warehouse but I thought the address was like on the paper because there's like an audition thing I don't fucking know dude again this is where I stopped paying attention I told you well he he deduces from the newspaper article that he had read earlier about her murder that she's a dancer or something like that and then the computer gives him the probabilities for where the murder will happen based on the information that was in the paper and the first one she gives him is like an audition for some type of acting thing and then the second one is this dance studio and he's like dance studio that's the one you know like he that he comes to that conclusion he makes it to her but there's only 69 seconds left except i think there's only 60 seconds left but my fucking thumb slipped and i put 69 instead it's because every time you put in six your phone autocorrects to 69 because you're a fucking 12th grader i don't know what you mean the slasher has her though and we can see shadows of him like actively pretending to stab her but not really stabbing her like the guy is literally acting like he wants to like acting like he's acting like he wants to stab her and it's real rough yeah it's uh (laughs) again the choreography of everybody's performances not top drawer this one gets solved the exact same way every other one he saves her the same way he does every time he the laser just the laser poof poof and then they hug and then he comes Uh, back and then excuse me uh, there's a lot more to it, all right? He sees her getting assaulted in a mirror, and then, which happens in no other story in this movie, he has the brilliant idea to shoot the mirror with the laser, and it bounces and hits the guy. So oh this my one God. was pretty innovative. We have two more stories left. Fuck me. <laughs> so they're fine, they hug each other, even though in this universe, I don't think she knows him. No, she does. Does she? she yeah, she's like, Paul, oh, thank God, you got here just in time. But she's like, I, I got was, the part, I got the I, part. Yeah, I got the part. <laughs> yeah, sure. So it's over, I guess. Like, they, they, well, no. they get There's tele- one final yeah, twist. They get teleported out of there, but then the slasher guy is still alive, and he's just, like, wildly swinging. And then the two cops show up. They're like, do you see that? No, me neither. <laughs> Which leads me to believe that these are actually real parallel universes that they're being transported into. Yeah, because this is the first time we see them after they left, huh? Yeah, they persist after they leave them. So yeah, this isn't just a game. These people are fucking with other people's realities. So there could have been an actual movie here at some point. Yeah, wasn't, but could have been. So when we get teleported back to our little main area here, we're at the point where the heroes are telling the villain that he's just a dweeb and should just give up. These little interstitials are so stupid. No pertinent information is revealed. Literally the most interesting they get is when Mistima tries to tempt him with money and women and all this other stuff. Like that that that's the most interesting these sequences get. And it's a shame because Richard Maul is like really committing to the performance you know oh i love him in this it's fucking ridiculous it's great and it's just wasted on the writing (laughs) it really is 
but uh, then Paul gets sent to some rocks that I'm pretty sure that I've seen in other movies before. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, I mean, they, they, they definitely reuse other assets in this movie. For example, in the next sequence, not this one, but the next one, the cars are straight out of Charles Band's previous movie, uh, Megaforce. That's not a theory. That's, that's confirmed. That's like literally the cars from the fucking movie. <laughs> yes. They, uh, I, I watched the interview with fucking Jeffrey Byron who plays Paul and he was in Megaforce and he says yeah they just they kept the cars from Megaforce and that's what they use in the final sequence and that's cool though I like it hey man reuse it's like trauma reusing that car crash scene in every movie (laughs) so now I want to see Megaforce Paul can hear Gwen calling him from this cave and he reluctantly goes in he's like no I don't think so okay fine Uh, yeah this is this I, I said the one with the zombies was like the most disappointing. This one strikes me as the most low effort. He goes in, uh, Cal says, thermonuclear activity. And I'm like, okay, was this fucking World War II? Whatever, let's, let's just go. <laughs> uh, there's a creepy little monster guy down there. This one, by the way, is called the or Cave Beast by Peter Minugian. Minugian? Oh, and I think that... This follows the sequence where Mistima shows him, like, some kind of demon that he could release upon him to tear him to pieces. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then it's the it's the monster we see in the cave. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot about that part, but because it really all boils down to them telling him he's a dork and he should just quit. So I'm not entirely sure what happens. Paul... Okay, what happens is he, he, he goes into this cave. He doesn't want to go into the cave. But he's like, well, obviously, this is what we got to do. And he literally has that conversation with himself. (laughs) And then there's this monster in this ridiculous monster suit. It's kind of fun. And he starts, he shoots like his laser thing at it. And then it starts throwing these crystals at him. And all these lasers start blasting out of like nowhere, wherever the crystals land. Yeah. And he ha- and he talks, he's like, do I even need a computer for this? <laughs> then he just starts throwing rocks. Yeah. So he starts, he starts ch- chucking rocks at it. And the monster is very clearly saying, go away. Like it's is, not. Okay. That's subtle. what happened. So n- nobody said, Hey, don't come in here. It's best just to not go in there because eventually what the fuck happens? He hits something somewhere and the creatures like dying but then it turns into a lady. Yeah, he shoots some, I think he shoots his laser up into the the upper void. This cave goes way up and there's like, and then there's rocks falling and one of the rocks lands on the monster and the monster transforms into what looks like an angel. And she's like, you fucking idiot. All you were supposed to do was leave the cave. Is that the chick from the prologue? No, it's, it's Diane Carter who is listed as angel. So she is an angel. God damn it. I knew it. And she's, yeah. She basically, she says to him, you should just fucking left, dummy. But now you lost. But it never gets addressed. No, yeah. At, it's no, never... point, at no point does Mistima be like, ha you fucking lost. Nope. Nope. They, they, they just, they go back to the, to the wasteland and, and, and then he's like, here's another. Apparently, Mistima was just a kid once burning cats alive with his friends oh that's right he had that monologue about and he's holding a kitten so you're like is is some fucked up shit about to go down but no it's pretty fucked up and then paul goes ahimsa mistima's like where'd you know where'd you hear that word it means like treating every living thing with respect or some such garbage oh okay I, I didn't know what it meant. That's what it's that's what they say it says. That's what they say it means in the movie. So then Paul and Gwen both get transported to a field full of old planes. It's supposed to be like apocalyptic, like you said, Mad Max, but like this is like Mad Max by way of high school musical. This is disgruntled Max. I forgot about this one on my second watch. 
because I was just so desperate for this fucking movie to be over the second time. <laughs> but, you know. And you were like, okay, finally, it's going to end. Oh, God damn yep. it. No. There's military guys, but they're like apocalyptic military guys. This little guy, this little, this other little dude pops out of this car. And he's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Let me kill him. I'm going to shoot him. Let me kill him. And he's got this ridiculously high voice, like one of J.F. Sebastian's creations from Blade Runner. <laughs> this guy's a little psychopath. It's like, all right, let me kill him. Let me kill him. Let's, let's take this thing. Now, can I kill him? Can I kill him? Let me kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. They take off Cal from fucking from Paul's wrist again and they're all holding it looking at it and the little guy gets punched in the face or like knocked on the head and told to go away and then Paul's like Cal do you have laser fire power right now or whatever he says and she's like yeah sure and then she kills the three dudes holding her well he gives her exact coordinates yeah yeah like I'm like okay smart guy Jesus and then there's a dumb shitty fucking laser car chase because they steal a car it really is a it's a pretty bad car chase but (laughs) car chase sequence because as car chase sequences go it serves one light. purpose and one purpose only for me, at least, to prove that Gwen is way more of a badass than Paul was this entire time. Yeah, because she finally gets a hold of a gun and she's like, I'm about to fuck some shit up. And she starts shooting everybody. No hesitation. She's like, it's the little guy. The little guy's following us. Fuck him. She shoots his car. Probably him in the face <laughs> through the window or some shit. And then there's another <laughs> yeah. one. There's another one chasing him. And she shoots that one, too. She's like, fuck it. Who cares? It's awesome. Gwen kicks a fair amount of ass in this sequence. That part, that part's cool. Other than that, I don't give a fuck. This was dumb and pointless. But then there's another car coming straight at them and the computer warns him and he's like, I can't move. We're being remote controlled. (laughs) I love the way he put it. Yeah. So they're basically playing chicken with Mistima, I guess. Only they're not playing chicken. They're playing crash. I guess it's not chicken if you literally can't turn your wheel. huh? And so they crash the end both cars blow up they end up back in the hell place whatever it is the game is over but paul's like yeah the game's not over you're just a pussy and what's gonna happen when i'm dead you're just gonna spend another thousand years alone jerking off in your mom's basement you fucking loser basically (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's a clever twist that his that his you know his argument is the only people who experience real excitement are mortals who are facing up against opponents you know, who may defeat them. And, and so he convinces Mistima. Yeah, hand-to-hand fight. And then Gwen's like, uh, dude, I'm the one who did all the work in that last one. You've literally been pushing buttons this whole time. Like, do you think maybe I should fight him instead? No, she... <laughs> what she says is, he's a giant, he'll kill you. Yeah, Paul challenges Mistima to, like, a fight with no magic, no nothing. He takes off Cal, he throws it on the ground, and I just, like, he challenges him to a fight in Mortal Kombat, and it reminds me so much of the Shang Tsung, not Shang Tsung, the Shao Kahn, Liu Kang fight at the end of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Only that, oh, only Mortal Kombat Annihilation, seen. it has, you know, the Mortal Kombat music, so even though it sucks, it's still awesome, because it's got Is the music. And Shao Kahn is played by the bad guy cult leader guy from Cobra. So Okay, alright, yeah. yeah. It's that fucking, guy's got such a wild face. He does. And, and I'm, I'm just looking at him, I'm like, there's no way he could play anything other than like a psycho killer of some kind which is which is mean but like it's true <laughs> he'd never get cast as anything else i no. think i did see him cast as something else and it was really weird so yeah they're fighting they're rolling around on the ground making out with each other as you do they end up doing the thing on over the edge of this volcano thing where they're choking each other and like coming all over each other because that's what that's what dudes do there's so much come like it's it's insane. It's super sticky. It's it's clearly not real cum because no human could produce that amount. It's rice, well, like in the, ABCs of Death. But then I guess with, you know, like with Mistima, he's not human. And then Paul is cybernetically enhanced, 
So, but only I mean, in his maybe, dick. Maybe it does work. I don't know. He he also had a secret cal cock ring this whole time. Oh, that's got to be it. Yes. So there, yeah. there's jizz everywhere, which for a PG-13 movie was kind of shocking. Again, I somehow Mistima falls into the fucking volcano. You do not see how it happens. I swore to fucking God that he just committed suicide because he's just like, fuck it, I want to die now because you're right. <laughs> this, this was cool and it'll never happen again. No, what it was, it was it was post-nut clarity. He blew his load and then was like, what am I doing with eternity? It's over. Uh, so he's dead, as far as we know. For the listener, there's no actual jizz no. in this scene. That no. was that was done for comedic effect by us and we are comic geniuses so i understand if you bought it hook line and sinker paul's okay though well no um uh fucking cal has to shoot a laser light bar for him to grab onto and pull himself up so he doesn't fall into the pit too that is true so he's almost fine after cal saves his ass yes as soon as Cal saves him, he's fine. He frees Gwen, and they get transported back home, and then she's like, yes, let's get married. Oh, and the apartment is smoking for no fucking reason. Is it? There's smoke everywhere. Maybe it's coming out of the computer, or maybe they forgot to pull something out of the oven. No, wouldn't be pulled out of the oven because they were asleep. Nope. Uh, well, I mean, what I think it is, again, going back to my you know original theory, the computer has been generating this weird reality the whole time, and so it's like maxed out its 8088 process. <laughs> and now Paul is not sure that Cal is even Cal anymore. But there's no, like, resolution to that. It's just like, hey, we're going to get married. Everybody's happy. No, okay, we're done. Yeah, the fucking end. Oh, and also Cal might be evil, but that's fine. No further discussion. No explanation of the smoke. She's just like, I'll marry you. I crunched the numbers with Cal. <laughs> Cal, who's totally going to end up fucking the Dungeon Master Part 2, going to murder Gwen <laughs> instead. Because I think the computer was jealous, but she was also like, do you really love this girl? So he's going to she's going to put him in all, into all these extraordinary circumstances where he has to risk his life, whatever, to save Gwen. And now the sequel, she has to do the same thing to Gwen to make sure Ooh, that the they're right Gwen for each worthy. other. Yep. OK. Yeah, I'm on board for that. I'll tell you what I would like to see. I would like to see this movie get remade. But like conceptually, not it's fun, but it's not good. So I would like to see this get remade by like seven young upstart trying to break into the business filmmakers working with small horror budgets you know to i i think i think it could be fun i think there could be a, a good schlocky sci-fi horror movie coming out of this i was gonna say Ed, make sure to keep a level of cheese because you gotta and like absolutely would they remake all the segments that are here yes actually they should because there's a lot of good ideas here a lot of good ideas with very poor execution yeah i'd be down to see that it'd be cool if they wanted to do it a different way too but yeah if they just remade these conceptually there's they're all strong like, I can see why they all got past the pitch phase, you know, because, yeah, conceptually, there's good stuff here. It's just the execution was terrible. Yep. So thank you again for picking a fucking anthology movie that I hate. I don't really hate it. It was fine, but you know. I don't hate this one. Not like ABCs of Death, which I do hate. Okay, that's fair. Who, who picked ABCs of Death? You did. You picked one. I thought you picked the one after XX. No, I picked I, XX. I told you to pick it because I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. Okay, so I picked XX. I think we both And went, I picked ABCs of Death. We both went for body bags because we both just happened to have it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that one was okay. Body bags was all right. Yeah, it, yeah. it had its problems. That but... one didn't suck, so... At least it yeah. wasn't offensive. Well, at least ABCs of Death was deliberately offensive. It wasn't <sighs> accidentally offensive. Some of that went too far, even for me. Like I, I, I like some pretty fucked up stuff, but good <laughs> lord. So yeah, 
that's the Dungeon Master, Rage War, whatever you want to call it. Actually, no, not whatever you want to call it, because we watched the Dungeon Master. Rage War is yes. probably the, the slightly longer, better version. I don't know if it's better. It's probably not. Look, Rage War has boobs. Rage War has better. boobs, so that's better. And it's only five minutes longer. So Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> that's it? Well, I, I do know that the sequences are presented in a different order, so I am curious to see if that makes the interstitials more logical, having them in a different order. I don't think it will, but I am curious to see. Hey, we're, 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 we're balls deep into how halloween now everybody no more just the tip so we're all the way into it yeah so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go all in just fucking oh fucking, the and next week i'm gonna make the rev watch a nice little canadian horror movie that nobody's ever heard of called end of the line it's our nice little indie movie for people to love and appreciate and yes you have it because i gave it to you don't fuck around oh i know i i have actually <laughs> been looking forward to this one i've been waiting though because i wanted to watch it for the show and give you my my honest first watch reaction so morris Devereux, get your shit together give me give me another movie also release slashers like have have those fucking i want i want a slashers blu-ray or 4k or whatever but next week End of the, the line. line a movie that legitimately kind of upset me the first time i watched it, it like in a, in a scared way Okay, cool. I think we're done with Dungeon Master. This is week one of Halloween. You can follow us on everything at the Shark Pod. I, po- I posted a picture of my Chihuahua on the on the Shark Pod Instagram, so go look at that because he's adorable. <laughs> my balls retracted into my stomach when I saw that. <laughs> As well they should. We're still doing Patreon even though we haven't released an episode in fucking nine years. Wait, you, did you, I haven't did posted you put the July episode I haven't, up yet? I haven't posted it yet because I've been super lazy and go God damn it. Okay, all right, all right. You know what? I can't even get mad because I'm so fucking far behind. I was going to say point. a month and a half late on that one, sir. I will get them posted, though, God damn it. I will get them posted for you. If you're a subscriber to our Patreon, you will get 12 episodes for this year. They're, they're just taking a little longer to come out, but they're going to be out. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. Leslie Wing, I wanted to say this during the podcast, but I, I kept forgetting and and i'm only just now remembering leslie wing who plays gwen in the movie in the dungeon master apparently she was in all three of the high school musicals what the fuck that's awesome. yeah she played she played one of the teachers i guess in one of the high in all of the high school musical like recurring character she's oh, in damn. all three of them we both watched high school musical three so we definitely saw her she was in two and one as well but at the same time her imdb photo is still Gwen from the Dungeon Master. <laughs> saw that. I didn't even think to look at it because I saw that and I'm like, well, she obviously hasn't done anything else, but apparently she has. All right. No, uh, yeah, she's a she, she's been in stuff. I mean, maybe not major roles, you know, yeah. small roles, obviously, but but she's been in stuff and that's still her her IMDb photo. I just thought that was funny. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, so uh, Patreon.com slash Sharks Across Hollywood. We still have a bunch of episodes up, but you'll get more. You will. It'll It's coming. Oh, God. Okay. Anyways, yes. Sharks Across Hollywood. <laughs> Nope. Uh, Patreon.com slash Sharks Cross Hollywood. Come give us your money and you can listen to all that stuff and we'll have it we'll we'll have it updated here not too long, I promise. So come back next week when we talk about End of the Line, a nice Canadian horror movie by a French Canadian guy, so ew gross. Not really. French Canadians are cool too. <laughs> They're almost human. Almost. Close. Not quite there, but we're getting there. But until then, stay jawsome. Awesome.